12. Matter of fact, we're going to look at Hebrews first and then go back to Ephesians. Real quickly, we'll read a couple verses in Hebrews 12 and then go to Ephesians chapter number 4. While you're turning, uh, while you're turning, I, I was visiting with some folks this week and, and I was sharing with them what God had put on my heart to preach. And he said, Preach, I got a story that'll go right with that. He said, There was two neighbors, there was two neighbors who, who, we're great friends, good buddies, and, and, and I, I told him, I said, God's wanting me to, to preach on the subject of bitterness and dealing with bitterness. How do we see it? How do we find it? How do, what do we do about it? And and uh, seems like seems like I, I've had three or four different counseling sessions this week, two or three different hospital visits, and every one of them, somehow that subject came up. Uh, something in some way or another that subject was talked about or, or had to be dealt with to bring healing in the situation. And every counseling session this week came back to that. And, and I, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not the spoon neither, amen? When something keeps coming up, God's trying to tell the shepherd that's what the sheep need, amen? And I was sharing that with him, and, and uh, he said they, these two neighbors, uh, as, as time went by, one neighbor put up a fence between their, their properties. Well... The other neighbor said, hey, you've got that on my property. Uh, that, that fence is on my property. He said, no, it's not. It's on my property. You, you don't know what you're talking about. And boy, a bitter feud began with those two neighbors. They kept on back and forth, back and forth for years and years and years. And, and, and then finally, one neighbor got sick, got deathly ill, and he got sick, and he called the other neighbor over and said, uh, look here, I, I, listen, we need to make this right. I, if that's on my side, don't worry about it. I don't even care anymore. I, I, listen, uh, uh, we just don't need to have this between us. I don't need to go out like this. Well, the other guy said, you know, you're right. There ain't no sense in us acting like this. If, if it's there, I'll tear, I'll tear the fence down and we'll, we'll make this right. Uh, we don't need to be acting like this. Everything, and, and, and so they shook hands and, and, and had small talk. Well, the one got up to leave, and, and as he was leaving, the one that was sick said, Hey, boy, look here. If I get better, all bets are off. Amen. Now, how many of us act the same way? When, when we need God and we're sick and there's something bad and there's something going to happen and we, we want to get everything right until we get to feeling better and then all bets are off. Hello, y'all still with me? Amen? Look, I want you today, more than anything else in this world, I, I had one person in, in, the, in the care room just a while ago said, Preacher, you had no idea you was preaching right to me. I said, Sir, I promise you, I was preaching to the mirror on the wall. Because this was something that I needed and something I, I had to learn in my life. And I promise you this, if we'll all have that attitude this morning, I guarantee you, you will leave different than you came. Church, say amen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12, in verse number 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. You know what that tells me? God wants me to be right vertically, but he wants me to be right horizontally too. If I'm not right vertically, and I'm not right horizontally, I'm not going to have the Lord's presence in my life. Do y'all get that? I'm not only needing to be right with the Savior, I need to be right with the saints. He says this, looking diligently, in other words, be very, very careful, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of Stay with me. Any root of springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. I want to I paraphrase that. J.B. Phillips said it this way. 
Be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives. In other words, when an offense comes your way, God will give you the grace to deal with it. But if you fail to do that, uh, it says, if he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad for in itself, but it can also poison the lives of many others. How many of y'all know bitterness is contagious? Sure is. Well, look in Ephesians real quickly, and we'll read and I'll let you sit down. Back where we started this whole strongholds series and, and, and method of thinking, God brought us back to the same place. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I've heard people say, that means just stay up and fight. Amen? That's not what that means. That means deal with your anger quickly. Don't let it simmer. Don't let it soak. Don't let it ponder on it all the time. If something has happened, deal with it quickly. Neither give place to the devil. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that that may minister grace unto the hearers. What's that mean? God knew that when we get angry, we say dumb things. Are you all with me? When we get angry, we say things that are not edifying or, or building up. When we get angry, we want to tear down. He said, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, say that with me, let all and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The word malice means an intent to do harm. Be ye kind one to another. Read this verse with me. And be ye kind one to another. Everybody with me. All at once, you can look up on the screen. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Dear Heavenly Father, help us today. God, thank you for the, the, the spirit and, and the move this morning. And I pray we have the same spirit and the same touch of God. Lord, touch my back. Lord, it's, it's, it's aggravating a little bit, and I pray that you'll touch me physically. Let me finish this. Please let me finish this message. God, I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this poem, I was, I was reading and studying and trying to prepare for today, and, and I come across this poem. It says, To live above with saints we love will certainly be glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's a whole nother story. Amen. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, sometimes it's just hard to get along. Sometimes in our marriage relationships, sometimes in our partnerships with uh, work, work relationships and employment, sometimes even in the church. And the easiest place to get offended is in the house of God. It's the, it's the easiest place in the world to get offended. You know why? Because we're human, but we expect everybody to act divine. We expect everybody to act uh, 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 superhuman when we come to church, but we fail to realize we're all made out of the same dirt. We are all human in our nature. We all fail. We all make mistakes. Bitterness results when forgiveness is not offered. Listen, daily, watch this, this is so good. Daily, we are all given an opportunity to forgive someone of something. I think that most Christians follow the biblical admonition of quickly providing forgiveness to any offender However, some people, including Christians, do not let go of an offense and have not forgiven. When that happens, the button of self-destruction has been pushed. When you gain a bitter spirit, it is not long before you become a source of offense to others and soon affect yourself. Self-destruction has started. 
There are so many marriages that have been destroyed because of bitterness. There are so many friendships that have been destroyed because of bitterness. There are so many churches that have been destroyed because of bitterness. Because of things that have happened and things that have gone on and bitterness creeped in. And the Bible calls it and responds and, and, and reveals it as a root of bitterness. There's something about a root. You can't see it. It's underground. It's not readily available. Sometimes there is stuff that comes up in our life and it begins on the inside and we look normal on the outside. We still have a smile on the outside. We still tell jokes on the outside. But inside we're seething. Inside we're in turmoil. Inside we don't feel what we look on the outside. I'm telling you, bitterness will kill you. Bitterness comes... Boy, I tell you what, if we're not careful, it will run away with our life and we become slaves to what's on the inside. I was praying, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not making none of this up. But all week long, you can ask my secretary, all week long, people have been coming through my office like a revolving door, bringing this situation. And every time it came back to a source of bitterness. Bitterness that resulted from a situation, bitterness that resulted from a hurt. And I'm telling you, God wants us to deal with bitterness. Too many times we're trying to clip. How many of y'all have ever seen monkey grass? Anybody ever seen monkey grass? That stuff that grows. I mean, you can mow it down and, and the symptoms is what comes up. But if you don't dig it up by the root, it'll keep coming back. Are y'all with me? Let me give you three quick things. Three quick things. Number one, number one, I want you to see the characteristics of bitterness. The characteristics of bitterness. I, I, I felt like if we're going to deal with it, we need to know what it looks like. We need to know how it, how it acts and how we can recognize it in our life. Symptoms uh, that occur, we can recognize the characteristics of bitterness by the symptoms that occur. Uh, what is a symptom? A symptom is uh, something like runny nose or uh, fever or chills. Uh, these things that, that come, uh, a stuffy head. All of these are symptoms. And sometimes we are so busy treating the symptom that we don't treat the infection. And when you go to the doctor, they don't want to, listen, they want to know the symptoms so they can get down to the infection. They don't want to give you something for a runny nose. They want to kill the infection that's causing the runny nose. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now what are the symptoms? I've been, I've been looking at this and with different Christian psychologists and different people that talk about this and deal with this on a daily basis. They say where there is bitterness, there's always discouragement. Because bitterness leads sometimes to paranoia. You start to develop a victim's mentality that everyone is out to get you. You become negative, critical, and paranoid, and you become very judgmental of others. Man, there are so many people, it doesn't matter what happens to them in their life, they have a victim mentality and they think that everybody's out to get... I've got family members right now that they can... I'm telling you, they can find something negative in anything that happened. If they won the lottery, they'd have to pay taxes on it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my dad's sitting right there and there's, there's people and I'm not going to get him in trouble, amen, because they might watch the video, hallelujah. But I'm telling you, it happens. Negative about everything complaining, a bitter spirit, malice, wanting to cause harm, uh, depression. Depression comes from bitterness, negativity, complaints, fear. Fear, always afraid of what's going to happen next, always afraid of what they're going to face. An inability to trust God and others. Fatigue, loss of sleep, even addictions. Addictions. You say, what? What are you talking about? See, because of bitterness, bitterness causes pain. 
and pain from the bitterness. Most people get addicted to pills. Most people get addicted to drugs and what drugs they're doing. It's, most of the time it's not about having fun. It's about covering up the pain that's in their life. It's about forgetting all that's wrong in their life. Most people have the wrong understanding about what addicts go through. It's not that they're doing it just to have fun. They're trying to forget about all the hell they've gone through in their life. And that bitterness just caused pain and pain. Trying to cover it up. And most of the time they'll just tell you, I just don't want to hurt anymore. Many times we try to, we try to administer to the addiction and not the bitterness that caused it. The symptoms that occur, but then the suffering. The suffering that overtakes. Bitterness has been medically linked to glandular problems. High blood pressure. Cardiac disorders. Ulcers. And even insanity. I'm talking about people dying of heart attacks because they won't let something go. Dying and suffering physically, medically. One leading psychologist said this. This is amazing. Leading psychiatrist, he said, 90% of all people in insane asylums could be released immediately if they would just learn how to forgive or how to be forgiven. Isn't that an amazing statistic? Amazing. They could be set free. They could be released. They could find healing if they would just let it go. Bitterness. Now, symptoms. I don't have no problem. Really? What about when you see that person? That ex. Whatever. Your blood pressure rises a little bit. You have that feeling. Now, you ain't shot them yet. But you have thought about it. Now, that person that, that you were friends with, that, that per, maybe not even that you're a friend, but that person that you feel like done you wrong, and boy, you see him coming in Walmart, and you try to find the escape route. We can look real good when we come to church because it's not on the surface. Bitterness is the root on the inside. And we just let it build and build and build and build. Y'all still with me? Then the second thing, not only do we see the characteristics of bitterness, but this is, this is the deal. And I'm telling y'all, I've never seen this part till this week. And I would venture to say you may not either, maybe not, maybe so, but if you have, you should have done told us. Say amen. I want you to see the cause of bitterness. The cause of, well, I tell you, I know what caused my bitterness. It's what he, well, I tell you what caused my bitterness. She, she, Nope. Wrong. That's not so. That's not the cause of bitterness. I want to share with you three little things under this and then, 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 then we're, going to, we're going to hit the nail on the head. And if you don't get this point, it's not going to matter. Because if you don't really believe and understand the second point, none of the else is going to matter. We get bitter when we respond wrong to A, discipline. When we respond wrong to discipline, say that with me. We respond wrong to discipline. Give me, a, give me a, 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 an example. Well, if you go back to Hebrews, you go back to Hebrews chapter number 12 where we read first, you'll find out that just a few verses before he's talked about that root of bitterness, he was talking about chastening. And he said, if you are without chastening, you're a bastard, not a son. And that, that's not a cuss word. He's saying you're illegitimate. 
If you claim to be saved, if you claim to be a child of God, and you can go out and run around like a yard dog, and you can live in sin and do anything you want, and nothing happen, and God not correct you, and God not discipline you, then you are in bad shape because you don't even belong to Him. Because God is a jealous God. God will chasten His youngins. God will hunt you down. God will go everywhere you go and tell you you shouldn't be doing that, you shouldn't drink that, or you shouldn't smoke that, or you shouldn't do this, or you shouldn't do that. I guarantee you God will whip His youngins. God knows nothing about time out. God knows nothing about these things that people have come up with today. God is an old-fashioned hell, fire, and brimstone, come-to-Jesus-meeting kind of God. Now, how many of y'all had them kind of whoopings growing up? My dad loved me, so he corrected me that way. I'm talking about behind the woodshed for some bloodshed. Amen. And that's the way God is. And God said it in that chapter. He said, if you're without it, then you don't even belong to me. But then he said this, but chastening for a season is grievous. It's not fun. There's nothing fun about it. I'm telling you, I was glad when my dad got through whipping me. I heard somebody say, well, I whoop my child and it don't bother them in the bed. That's the problem. If they're mad when you're done, you didn't do it right. But if they're glad when you're done, you done it right. And God knows how to do it right. And it is never good. It never feels good. It's never comfortable. But it says this, when He is through, it will bring forth the wonderful fruit of righteousness. When God is through with it, and then He says this, don't get bitter about it. If I have to correct you, i got a good reason for it. You're going the wrong way, and I want you to go the right way. And you know what? If we respond wrong to discipline, we will get bitter. Prove it. How about Cain? Last week we just talked about this with Cain. Cain brought the wrong sacrifice. He was rebellious and disobedient to God. God corrected him on it. God called his hand, and he got bitter and killed his brother. You know, I've seen people in churches... I've seen people in the ministry that they were doing the wrong thing and God tried His best to get their attention and it just hardened them that much more and they rebelled that much more on God and they got bitter against God. And usually when you get bitter against God, you take it out on everybody else. We get bitter when we respond wrong to discipline. But then we get bitter when we respond wrong to Disappointments. Disappointments. Sometimes things happen in our life that we can't control. Sometimes I've sat with people when their children's died. I've sat with people when their parents have died. I've sat with people at a tragic car wreck and they're saying, why? Why? I've sat with people when they learn news about their children or learn news about their loved one or learn news about their spouse and, and they said, preacher, why? Situations they couldn't control. Disappointments when life didn't turn out the way you had planned. Y'all know what I'm talking about the dreams that we had for our families, the dreams that we had for our careers, the dreams that we had, and listen, going down the tube. The dreams that we had for our children, the plans that we had, and, and boy, we expect, and boy, everything seemed to go right in the garbage. Boy, we get bitter. 
There was a woman in the Bible who had great plans, great desires, great dreams, and went down to a place called Moab. Her name was Naomi. Naomi lost her husband. Naomi lost both of her sons. And when she came back home, when she came back home, they didn't even hardly recognize her. They said, listen, is this Naomi? She said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. God hath dealt bitterly with me. Boy, she never thought that that would happen. She never thought that things would turn out the way they did. Well, people have gone through divorces. Nobody has ever stood up on this platform. Nobody has ever stood before any preacher and the gentleman would have... sharp-looking tux on, and her with a beautiful gown on, saying I do, having the greatest dreams and desires in the world. None of them plan to stand before a judge one day, bitter and angry at each other, wanting each other to die. There's a very thin line between love and hate. And they're both just as powerful. Things turned out wrong. And here we are, we sit, and we get bitter. And all we can think about is that situation. All we can think about is what they said. Say, how how do I know that? Because I've been bitter. You know how we get bitter? Because we take that offense and we we curse it. Then we rehearse it. Go it over and over in our mind, over and over. And then we begin to nurse it. And it becomes our little baby. It becomes our little thing. And we got to have it because it gives us us something to hold on to to... Say, so how do you know that? Because I can't even remember yesterday, but I can remember every detail about certain things. Y'all with me? Every detail about what was said, every detail about what was done, every detail. I'm talking, and the more you go over it, have you ever noticed that the more you go over your offense, the better your side looks? Or is that just me? I mean, by the time I'm through, I'm the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are the Antichrist, amen. I mean, you petted enough, son, I tell you what, it can... Look pretty good. Y'all ain't saying much up here. Y'all, y'all going to help me today? Amen. They're bitter. Say amen. Am I not telling the truth? We get bitter because we respond wrong to discipline. And you know what? The bad part about the second one is stuff happens to us that we don't have control over. We couldn't have done anything about it. It came our way and there was nothing we could say. There was nothing we could do. How about the mama? I broke, man, they just... Oh. The mama this week who... They just found her little baby girl in the, in the dump in Georgia. And I heard her say on, on... Listen on the news, she says, We're coming to get you. That's what she said about... And you know what? That's probably what I'd say it. I can't even imagine what she's going through. But disappointments. But then, not only that, but then debts. Debts. What are you talking about, debts? I'm talking about stuff that people do to us. I'm talking about things that people say. Huh. You know, it was just as quiet in the early service. You know why? Because this is real. That thing she done or that thing he said, that, that, that hurt that they caused him. So you got a biblical example of that? Oh, yeah. 
There's a man in the Bible named Ahithophel. It's hard to even spell, much less say amen. Ahithophel was David's counselor. He would come and counsel David and give him advice and everything. And, and there was a time when Absalom, David's son, came to overthrow David. Run him out of the kingdom. And when David was run out of the kingdom, Absalom went to Ahithophel and said, what do we need to do? Ahithophel said, let me go kill him. I can get a few men right now. We can run him down. Hey, we can get him. I, I know how to do it. I know who I can get. I'm telling you, we could deal with it. We could, get, we could kill him today. Let me go kill him. And God supernaturally changed the council and, and Absalom said, no, we're not going to do that. that we, we're going to go a different route. Well, in my mind, I can imagine Ahithophel. Boy, he got angry. His old countenance just fell. He walked right out of that room, right then. Right out of that room, Brother Bates, he went, went straight to his house, got his affairs in order, and killed himself. Committed suicide. What in the world? He hated David so bad. He was so bitter against David, and he wanted to kill him so bad that when he couldn't, he didn't even want to live. Talk about bitterness. Well, what in the world? What? what was that all about? I went, I heard this before, but I went back to research it this week just to be sure. And I found out that Bathsheba, how many of y'all remember Bathsheba? The one that David sinned with, who sinned and took her, violated her, and committed adultery with her, destroyed her family, destroyed her marriage. They had a baby together. He died too. All of this took place. Well, I found out that Bathsheba's daddy was Ahithophel's son. So that made Bathsheba Ahithophel's granddaughter. Now you can do stuff to kids, but don't mess with them grandbabies. And all the grandparents said, David had destroyed the life of his granddaughter. And he was so angry, so bitter. He said, if I can't kill him, I don't even want to live. And see, David was the one that did the wrong. David was the one that did the wrong, but David asked forgiveness and God forgave him. But Ahithophel responded wrong to the debt that was owed him. He thought. Now this is what God showed me that I never saw before. And this is what you got to get because if you don't get this, none of the rest will work. The offense did not cause the bitterness. Say that with me. The offense did not cause the bitterness. Say it again. The offense did not cause the bitterness. Because most people say, well, i tell you why I'm bitter. It's what she done. Nope. And when God showed me this, it totally changed my understanding perception about bitterness and how to deal with it and how to treat it. If you don't get this, you won't be able to treat it. Bitterness is caused by a wrong response to an offense. The offense does not cause it. It's how we respond to it. 
How do you know? Because two people have had the same thing happen to them. One went on and found victory in their life. They forgive the offender. They move on with peace, joy, and happiness, and God blesses them. But the other one gets caught up in bitterness and will not forgive, and their life is destroyed. You know why? Because one responded right, and one responded wrong. Let me help you with something. Every day of your life, if you are saved, if you are a Christian, every day of your life, God has you in a process where He's molding and making you and forming you. The Bible says in Romans 8.28, For all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to His purpose. What's His purpose? Verse 29, it says, For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. I had a lady in my office that said, Preacher, when am I going to stop going through this? She was a great person, has gone through a, a lot, and I mean God has brought her a long ways. And I know she won't mind me telling you this, but she, listen, she had come through a long ways in her Christian walk from where she started to where she is. And she said, well, when will it end? When will I stop going through this? When will they quit tormenting me? I said, and then right then the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, when you will be able to say as they're driving spikes into your wrist, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Until we can respond like Christ, until we can speak like Christ, until we have a Christ-like attitude, God is going to bring things into your life on a daily basis to teach you to be able to respond like Christ until you can say, Father, forgive them. You're going to keep facing it every day. And bitterness does not come from the pain. Bitterness does not come from the offense. Bitterness does not come from the situation. Bitterness does not come from the discipline or the, listen, the disappointment or the debt. Bitterness comes from a wrong response to it. And some people have told me, well, preacher, if they would just apologize, if they would just admit what they've done to me, that's not going to change anything. I've got a family member right now. I don't care if you apologize with roses and chocolate candy. They'd still be mad at you. You know why? Because that's not what the problem is. It's how you respond to it. You can apologize all you want. Or they can apologize all you want. And you're still going to be bitter. Amen. Listen. You say, why is this so important that we get this? Because you can't move on to the second one until you understand that. If your bitterness is the fault of the other person who has offended you, then you wouldn't be bitter anymore once they apologize. But an apology won't get rid of the bitterness. Watch this. Bitterness isn't based upon what somebody did to you. It's the result of what you have done with that offense. If you're there, say amen. So what do we do? What do we do? It's not the offense. Then what do I do about it? There's only one thing. Only one thing that can fix it. One thing. Let's look in verse 32. Ephesians 4.32. Put it up on the screen. You got it up there? Watch this right here. You can look it up up here. It's right here in front of you. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, 
What's the next one? Even the only fix to bitterness. The Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I can take all the vengeance out on... Listen. I can take all the vengeance I want out of my brother and I'm not going to feel any better. I read a story of a lady whose whose family had gotten killed. Somebody came and murdered her family and and she went on a quest to see that man executed. And it was all she could think about, all she could dream about, all she could think about and talk about was to get that man executed. Because she just knew if she could see him die, I could get over what he'd done to my family. And then by, by her own testimony, when she walked out of that, that chamber, when she walked out of that place, Sarge, they asked her, well, how do you feel? She had tears dripping off her face. She said, I don't feel no different than when I came in here. Because see, the devil, now did he deserve that? Probably, yes, sir. And I do believe in that kind of punishment. But the point is, if you think you're going to get better by seeing somebody else hurt, the devil's lied to you. I have been in counseling sessions with couples, and and, in their mind, they think, if I can just make him hurt like he hurt me, or if I can just make her hurt like she hurt me, I'll feel better. Nuh-uh, it means both of you are hurt. Well, what's going to make me feel better? You forgiving them. Forgiveness is the only thing that can be done. Forgiveness is the best thing that can be done. Forgiveness is the only thing that will take away the hurt. Forgiveness is the only thing that will take away the bitterness. But I know what you're thinking. Because I thought it too. I don't want to forgive them. We hold on to it. We don't want to. And we even, we have this idea right here. I don't think I could if I wanted to. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? But you know what? This is what God said. You're trying to get the cart ahead of the horse. Now watch this. Put that verse up, Brother Barnes. And be ye kind one to another. What's that word? Tenderhearted and forgiving one another. Then he says this, this is the most important part. Even as, see when we get bitter and we get angry, that's sin. And when that sin comes in our life, it clouds our judgment. It it, it, it blocks the favor of God in our life. It blocks the touch of God in our life. It blocks the work of God in our life. And the things that we need to do with supernatural power, we can't do it because God's hand cannot be upon us because we have sin in our life. It says, if I regard iniquity, he will not hear me. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we walk with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. In other words, if we're so full of bitterness, we cannot go and forgive the person because I got too much bitterness. I got to go to God first and say, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, wash this sin away. I have sinned against you. I did not respond right to the offense in my life. No matter how bad the offense was, I was guilty. God, forgive me. And when God does that, then He comes and helps you 
forgive that person. But if you try to do it in your own power, you ain't going to make it. If you try to do it with your own ability, you can't. I know this for a fact. I know this for a fact because I've been guilty. And as much as I wanted to, I even said it. I even said it with my mouth. Sarge, I told that person on the phone, I'm sorry. And I wanted to do the right thing, but I didn't do it here. I said it with my mouth. I said it with my head, but I did not mean it with my heart. And even after that, every time I'd see that person, I wanted to tear their head off in Jesus' name. Now, I know I'm just being blatantly honest with you. But you know what? What I had to do is go to God first and say, God, I'm sorry. Because I could say it with my mouth, but I couldn't mean it. And you know what? If I didn't do it with my heart, it don't work. And you still feel the sharpness, you still feel the pain, and you still feel the bitterness. But boy, when I went to God and said, God, forgive me. I shouldn't have acted that way. Please forgive me. You know what he did? Immediately, he took all of it away. And at that point in time, I didn't even care what the offense was. You know why? You cannot give forgiveness if you have not received forgiveness. Number three is the cure. What is the cure? First, A, forgiveness we receive. We go to God and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, please touch my heart. Please remove this sin from me. And see, when that happens, something supernatural comes in. Him. Do you know why Stephen was able to say, how many of y'all know who I'm talking about? Stephen, in the Old, excuse me, in the New Testament. They were stoning him. I mean, at the very moment that he was being killed, they were throwing rocks at him. And I mean, he was bleeding and he had bruises and he was dying. And this is what he said. Father, lay not this sin to their charge. Isn't that awful familiar to what we heard on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And see, when we get right with God and we say, God, we responded wrong and I'm sorry, please forgive me. All of a sudden, shoom, Jesus comes into me. And I'm just a vessel with Jesus in me. And Jesus forgives them through me. It's the only way to work. It's the only way to work. <laughs> Agnes Sanford said this. As we practice the work of forgiveness, we discover more and more that forgiveness and healing are one. Forgiveness and healing are one. William Arthur Ward said, Forgiveness is a funny thing. It warms the heart and it cools the sting. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. Jesus told his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. Well, I've never been offended. Huh. Well, get ready. Well, I don't even want it. Well, that may be so. 
But when you get good and sick and tired of being sick and tired, come see me. You're tired of hurting. You're tired of feeling that way. If you're tired of not having joy, if you're tired of not being excited, listen, if you're tired of seeing something negative in everything in life, there's something about being right with God, even things you don't like, God will give you a way of peace and joy in it. If you're tired of all that, first thing you need to do is come to this altar and say, Father, forgive me. Lord, my, my part in this deal, forgive me. I responded wrong to it. God, you gave me an opportunity to be Christ-like and to forgive when the offense came. And Father, forgive me. I failed the test. Father, help me to forgive them. And I'm telling you, the most supernatural thing will happen. I can't even describe it. I can't even describe it. There's no All I can tell you is this. At one point in my life, I was so mad and so angry, I just wanted to... If I'd have been a deacon, he'd have probably told her to whooping. Say amen. Or me one. One of us would have. But as a pastor, you can't do stuff like that. Amen. And I mean this. I'm telling you, I was that. When God got my heart right, when I did, I, God told me to do something nice for that person. And, and I'm talking about the minute, the immediate minute that I did that, it all went away. Every bit of it. Now, it didn't change the other person. They stayed bitter. They stayed bitter. But you know what? I'm fine. So see, it's not about fixing that other person. It's about fixing you. And if you decide to stay in that bitterness, you're going to stay in a prison. It usually ends with a death sentence because bitterness will kill you. Church, say amen. President Garfield was shot. Not long, I think four months, four, I think it was four months into his presidency, he was shot by an assassin. And the doctors kept probing and probing and probing and probing and digging and digging and digging, digging trying to find the bullet, thinking they were helping and the more they probed, the more they probed, the more they probed. I mean, they even brought him back to white and just kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on. Well, he eventually developed an infection from the probing and from the digging. And the infection killed President Garfield. Isn't it amazing? The bullet would have never killed him. But all the digging caused an infection that killed him. The offense would have never killed him. Are y'all with me? That thing that was said to you was not a fatal wound. That thing that was done to you was not a fatal wound. But how you respond to it can determine if it's fatal. Preacher, what do I need to do? I want to have every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There's no doubt in my mind, everybody in this church has faced something. No doubt in my mind, every single person, including your preacher, I am totally there. 